This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a fond good morning from the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Fond and foggy. Yeah, I guess you had a little bit of fog on the way in. I huh? did, yes. Yeah. Well, it was foggy in the department, not the department, the supermarket. <laughs> and I, I didn't recognize that the banana I bought was an absolute green banana. <laughs> you ever done that, folks? You, you buy a banana, you think, I don't know, it's not quite right, but oh, I'm sure it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I, It took me five minutes to peel off like an inch of the... Of and the, then you went you know, and took a bite. And I took a bite, oh. and oh, God, my mouth, it was just like... Of alum in there, you know? <laughs> Awful. Oh, my Talcum Lord. Powder. Yeah. No saliva. So I'm, I'm operating without food right oh, away. Sweet. So, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but, but then you said, Frank, buy the banana the day before or a couple of days before. I don't plan that far in advance. I know. You're so spontaneous. I live on the edge. It makes me laugh. <laughs> it does. Impetuous, mm, I might say. Well, Peter Charlie. Pan underneath it all. Maybe yeah. you should give the numbers because after all, this is the garden show. And oh, God, besides you're right. talking about green bananas, you know, we love to talk about gardening. You're right. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for that. Okay, uh, folks in Toronto, here's what you do to get a hold of Charlie, okay? By the throat. 416 416- <laughs> Six zero zero seven forty. That's Toronto. Okay. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and that would be a good number maybe for folks in the states to call. You know, uh, I don't. They wouldn't be a free call though. Yeah, the I think they have to call the local. Yeah. Uh, and my email address because yes. it has changed. And Dan was right last week when Absolutely. he corrected me and you. Mm-hmm. My email is c. Period Dobbin now. It yeah. used to just be one word C and, and Dobbin. And use a capital C. I don't think it matters if it's, it? if oh, it's okay. case sensitive, yeah, but okay. you're right. It does show as a capital C, period, then Dobbin, at mzmedia.com. Right you are. Okay. I have a few announcements. I have, I have a few emails, so some people well, are finding me. Well, can I get my mantra in? Uh, oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. Call early. Call mm-hmm. often. One question per call. You can always call later on in the show. But folks, you know, you'll find out, don't call early in the morning, except now. They're starting to call in already. But you have some uh, goodies to pass along, I do. A couple of things to mark on the calendar. Okay. I'd like to give them in order, but of course I didn't write them down in order. So I'll just... Lack of planning. (laughs) I was impetuous when I made these notes. (laughs) You have a green banana, too? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So, okay, starting with the soonest, January 13th. That'd be tomorrow. Yeah, very good. Good. January 13th, tomorrow, one thirty p.m., the, uh, who is this? Oh, I can't even read it. It's so hard to read. The Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society ah. is hosting a meeting. But you see see how I, I it was such a pretty poster. There's their little tiny logo. But it's a really pretty poster because the speaker at one thirty tomorrow is Virginia Hildebrandt. She's speaking on micropropagation. So the, it's a flask. The poster is like a glass flask with a little tiny 
impatience growing inside it. Ah, so micro patience to figure that out. Propagation okay. is all about growing from cells, actually. Uh-huh. So they meet at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which is, of course, at Leslie and Lawrence. Free admission. Everybody's welcome. Lots to learn and great people. So do okay. fit that in if you can tomorrow. The next day, Monday, the Agent Court Garden Club will be hosting their monthly meeting and annual general meeting uh, at 8 p.m. Speakers are Diane and Gary Westlake. They are master gardeners from the Peterborough area. Very clever people. They have an amazing garden. Their subject is out of the box. I guess it's kind of like gardening out of the box, doing, doing things a little differently. Place that the Agent Court Garden Club meets is the Knox United Christian Education Center. That's at 2575 Midland Avenue in Agent Court. Kind of, I guess there is lots of parking at the rear, but you access the parking from Rural, which is the first street going north from Shepherd Avenue. There, like I say, lots of parking and refreshments. Everybody, I'm sure they have signs there. Is welcome. Yeah, just to get into the back where the parking is. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then the final uh, announcement is happening this Thursday, January the 17th at 7 p.m. It's the Applewood Garden Club who is presenting the weird and wacky world of gardening with Frankie Flowers, also known as Frank Ferragini. Uh, they will be hosting this event at the Lakeview Golf Course. That's at 1190 Dixie Road in Mississauga. There's going to be book sales. Frank's going to bring in his book. So he'll be selling his book, signing his book. Uh, the, it is a $15 ticket to get in the door, uh, and that is to support Heart House Hospice. Very good. Yeah. All righty. So well, a fair whack of uh, things taken care of. Uh, well, thank you very much. Very good, and Charlie. And there is a lot going on. There's no question. Yeah. We're into that time. And you know, time, we January. have a lot of callers already, so they took my little mantra. Uh, seriously. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> good. But I'll tell you what, we have to take a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to go back and have a week chat with Stan in Brampton. So hang tight for that. And uh, Dan is our producer, of course, Dan Ellison, excellent producer, and he's on top of the game today, I'll tell you. Back in just a couple of moments. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. (coughs) And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. The Garden Show, on the air with Charlie Dobbin right now. And uh, saying hi, well, we're going to bob along to Brampton. Say hi to Stan. Good morning, Stan. Hello, uh, Charlie, and Happy New Year to you and Frank. Thank Thank you, Stan. Um, I have a poinsettia mm-hmm. that I purchased before Christmas. Now, um, can I repot that now? Uh, do you, why do you think it needs to be repotted? Because it's in a small pot that um, uh, comes from the um, store. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year I, I repotted uh, poinsettia. And it did quite well. Yeah. When you say small, is it one of the little four-inch pots? Yes. Do you see roots growing out the bottom? No. If you can put off repotting it for another even month, it would be better. Okay. Okay. It is a great idea to repot uh, any plant that is overcrowded and, you know, growing roots out the bottom. Uh, when you see that. But if you can wait just until the days get a little bit longer, the plants are going to respond to that longer day length and start to grow more actively. So when you do repot, if the plant is in a phase of active growth, it will 
um, withstand that shock and stress of repotting far better if it's actively growing and, you know, grow new roots and fill right in and be a happy little camper as opposed to, you know, going into a bit of a, a shock and sometimes go- going backwards when they are repotted and they're not quite ready for it. Thank you. Okay. Um, after I take it out of the dark uh, next fall, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, is it all right to bring it right to the light, or do you do it gradually? Uh, when you're doing the, the dark light treatment to get it to start coloring up again next fall, yeah, you should be doing the the dark, dark, dark for the period of hours, and then bright in between. So um, it doesn't have to be right in a southern window, but it should certainly be in a bright spot. So if it is a southern window with, you know, five, ten feet away from it is fine, or right in a northern or eastern window is perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm... I'm, I'm um I don't mind in a south window, yes. Right. So that's fine. I mean, having that bright spot is great. But when you, you know, when we refer to the dark, of course, the whole idea with the dark and the poinsettias is that we, uh, we do give them the dark period and the light period within a 24-hour uh, process, right? So it's I in see. and out of the dark. I see. Okay. And do oh, put yeah. the bright light in between the dark. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, Thanks, Stan. Man. Love your show. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Alrighty, Stan from Brap. Nice way to start the show. Happy guy there. And, Actually, you know, uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you for one second. Sure. I just um, flipped, and I'm. I need new bifocals. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> here, just for Stan and anybody else who's yeah. listening and thinking about keeping their poinsettia right through over the summer, from the end of September, careful light control is essential. Cover with a black polyethylene bag, or you know, put it right into a closet from early evening and remove next morning so that the plant is kept in total darkness for 14 hours. Continue daily for eight weeks, then treat normally. Your poinsettia will again be in bloom at Christmas time, but it will be taller than the plant you bought. Well, okay. good tip. Okay. okay. Well, let's see what's uh, going on in Mississauga. Jack's on the line ready to talk to you. Charlie on the Garden Show. Good morning, Jack. Morning. Uh, season's greetings to you both and happy new year. Thank you. Thank I, you. Uh, uh, what we have is uh, we have a really large uh, wisteria plant or uh, uh, vine at the in our courtyard area, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it had a very small trellis when we moved into the house, and uh, I never got to the point of uh, building a proper trellis for it, which this uh, spring is uh, on the uh, on my list to do for sure. I would but, think yes, but it's huge. I, I don't know should it we be cutting it back to start or should i be just trying to redirect it to this new trellis or or i don't know what to, what's the best way to go about it okay so this is a great question wisteria are one of those vines that everybody loves particularly when they're blooming because right. they're gorgeous the, the flowers just cascade like look like grapes almost i mean they're so beautiful and they're you know just anyway fragrant great However, wisteria are very vigorous plants and can completely take over and <clears throat> really literally just take over your yard, your house, the whole neighborhood. They can do sometimes big damage because they are so strong and so vigorous. So, yes, do build a nice strong uh, whatever for it, trellis, arbor, uh, something for it to grow on. Do not hesitate to cut it way back uh, in order for that to um, be retrained onto a new uh, a new stronger structure. Ah, okay, very okay. good. So, 
way back would be how far down, like from the ground, Charlie? Or? Uh, well, <clears throat> the tr- there there are some real specific ways to prune wisteria to maximize flowering. Does it actually flower now with yes. consistency? Yeah. Okay, so that's great. But there are proper ways to prune to maximize your flowers and minimize those extremely long tendrils that will reach out and you know strangle you while you're sleeping. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't say that. But people do sometimes worry about that. <laughs> they they really grow fast. Like they're really interesting plants. <clears throat> so for now, don't hesitate to cut. You can cut way back. And of course, you're going to lose some flowers this year as a result of some real heavy pruning. But do that to, to train it. Remember, when you force the, the branches horizontal, you'll always maximize flowering as opposed to straight up vertical. Uh, and usually we will prune wisteria twice a year. Because there is that idea of letting it flower and then pruning it back and then recognizing that it shoots out another bunch of green growth and taking those new shoots back so that you've got just two buds there and then those will be the ones that flower next year. Oh, beautiful. Thank you very much. Okay. You know, Jack, great advice. Jack, at times I wish we were televised because Charlie (laughs) cannot talk without using her hands. And (laughs) describing that wisteria was just a scream. You should have seen the the arm waving going on. (laughs) If I tied her hands, we'd have a silent show. It's just too funny. Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for the question. Nice to have you along thanks, here this Jack. morning. And, uh, and at this thanks, point, Frank. You're quite welcome. You are, you are just Squealing such on good you. support. <laughs> I could, yeah, I can tell how much you appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, I am feeling much better. Remember last week I had a bit of a cold, and more than a bit, I was just really not feeling well. No, but I I'm, think you I'm gave it to shape. Marilyn. She was sounding oh, a bit rough this yeah, morning. Oh, old darling. I know. Uh, oh, wow, we didn't hear that. Poor old darling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she went, she's in her car. No, she's she in her car. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's concentrate on Marilyn. She's... I'm in trouble now. Frank and I are going to concentrate on doing our exercises. Yes. Because we are boomers, or Zoomers, in yes. the case of working here at MZ Media, who want to maintain, want to maintain the, free, you know, the freedom to maintain our favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness. There we are. So we use Sierra Cell, completely natural, mineral supplement, taken daily, does keep those joints pain-free, whether it's knees or elbows or, you know, any body part that you need to get out and do what you want to do. And it's a neat little guarantee they've got, which is why Joint 14 is the phone number. Well, the phone number is actually one eight seven seven joint 14 But it's, if it doesn't work in 14 days, you get your money back. All your money back, yep. including the shipping, because they will ship. Yep. If you want to buy it on the web, of course, you can look them up on the website and get more information yeah. as well, sierrasill.ca, or as Frank said, give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or you can just pick up Sierra Sill at many local health food stores. For example, all the whole food markets carry Sierra Sill. Okay. All right? Excellent. Okay. We'll be along to talk to Gail on The Garden Show here in AM 740 in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And happily for me, uh, Frank Proctor, I'm along as the sous chef of the garden, the undergardener, saying hi to Gail, calling in from Toronto. Just around the corner. Hey, good morning, Gail. Hello. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Hi. Good morning. Um, I got an amaryllis at Christmas time. Me and my amaryllis, I think, 
See, <laughs> I've called you before about these plants. They're fascinating. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, it's it's finished blooming. Mm-hmm. The, 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 it, it, it had two blooms on it. Mm-hmm. And they finished. And the leaves, are, there's two leaves mm-hmm. that are still healthy, but okay. they're leaning down. And so it's finished blooming. You, you took out your little scissors and you cut off those I did. dried up blooms. Yes. But you left the green flower stalk. Oh, should I have left the green flower stalk? Yeah, you sh- when it comes to bulbs, yeah. always remember that the way bulbs work is mm. they have they pack a whole bunch of energy into that bulb. Okay. And they hold that energy as a as a for the future. And of course, when we start to grow the plant, uh, taking it out of dormancy, it starts to grow. It's yeah. using all that energy with that's stored inside to do the growing. It re places that stored energy by photosynthesizing. So we leave everything green on any of our bulb plants as long as we can. Okay. Because as long as there's green growth on a bulb, then that plant is absorbing sunlight, It, you know, which is what photosynthesis is all about, yeah. because it actually takes that you know sunlight energy and turns it into carbohydrates and stores it. Yeah. So leave everything green. You've got green leaves. It's good. Leave them alone. Water as necessary. You know, yes. don't let that. You need to go to the door or something. <laughs> she's, she's barking out at the window at the dogs playing in the field. Aww. And it's um, it's something she does. She gets up in the chair. She gets and, all excited. And uh, she's not supposed to, but she does anyway. I know. She knows you're those things on the does. phone. She's getting and away with it. I'll just tell her to be. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Um, hey, be quiet. I thought you were yelling at me. That worked. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Sorry, Gail. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so Lee, what, just uh, remember water as necessary. So yeah. it's in lots of sun, in the window, lots of sun. Feel the soil. When it starts to feel dry, water thoroughly. Don't ever let the plant sit in water. So, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, yeah. if there's water in the bowl, pour it out. And just keep doing that. At some point, uh, like this, when we're frost-free, you could put it outside for the summer, and yes, you'll get. I did with the last one. Yep, and it and, and gets... it's it's doing. It's the one I to- asked you about before, mm. and and I thought it was dead, but it's it's resurrected itself with probably lots of green leaves. Yes, it, well, it has two. This is the one that I had before. It's uh-huh. got two, but the one I got for Christmas, and I just cut the. The flowers, um, the flowers are, mm. I, I didn't realize I should have left that great big stalk. That's all right, because le- if there's not leaves or a lot of leaves now, more will come. Okay. And the trick is, is let the, let the leaves happen. Let the bulb fatten up again. Okay. Uh, and like I said, grow it as a houseplant this winter. Grow it mm. outside if you can in the summer. Okay. In a shady spot, lots of green leaves. At some point preferably 10 weeks before Christmas, you want to force that plant into dormancy. You stop watering it, it'll all turn yellow, stick it in a dark spot, ignore it, Uh (laughs) don't water it, let it just sit in the dark, preferably cool spot, and then pull it out 10 weeks later, and at that point, of course, there's no flowers, there's nothing on it, no leaves, water and sunshine, and it should all start to grow, and hopefully grows with a flower first. Okay, now the one that the one um, that I got for Christmas mm-hmm. is in this pot. And I was wondering if I should take it out of that pot, you know, because I don't know whether they have very good drainage. Double check that there are holes in that pot because there should be drainage. Yeah. And amaryllis are funny because we we always think they need a bigger pot, and yeah. yet it's the exact opposite. They oh, want to okay. be in a very so small leave it pot. In that pot. It's likely it's in the right size pot. Just. Make sure that there's drainage holes in it. Okay. If not, get us get the same size pot with holes. All right. Okay. Same size pot. Ah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Because the other's in a bigger pot, and I think that's maybe why it's it's 
having it was having difficulty because it was too big. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Always, always there in a very small pot. Oh, what, okay. what, what's your dog's All name? Right. That's a good. Okay. What, what's your dog's name? Oh, Ren. Ren, Ren get Ren. down off that Ren. couch. He's at, he's at the window again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much Thank for the call, Gail. Gail. Okay, okay, bye-bye. Hey, everybody bye-bye. listens to The Garden Show. Uh, it's even true, the dogs. even the puppy dogs. And you want this the, Ren yeah. barking made me think of my cat this morning because my cat wanted to play. And oh. I was a little busy this morning getting ready. And I, you know, I threw a couple of pom-poms and they all kind of disappeared somewhere. <laughs> so there's my cat saying, like, what am I going to do? Nutty cat, eh? He's chasing his tail. Like, he just, he lies there, and then he moves his tail a bit, and then he leaps on it. And, of of course, course. in the leaping, he misses it. So then he has to leap again. (laughs) And it's like, like, it's wacky. What is it? Yeah, what is it with And he just dies. He'll do it for 20 minutes. Go round in circles, chasing his tail. Like... Well, it sounds like your cat, that's yeah, for sure. Well, he mm-hmm. does, at least he doesn't bark. He just chases his tail. He's very disturbing either way. <laughs> Let's get up to cottage country here. Wasaga Beach. And that's the right way you say it, I do yes, believe. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Okay. Wasaga Beach. That's Claire what the locals is, call it. In fact, i got some very good friends up there, Bill and Phyllis Strong. I don't know if they listen to the show. I hope they do. Yeah, but Claire so. is there for sure. And they're with us on The Garden Show. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Morning. Good morning. Nice to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, I have a problem. I have a question with my orchids that I got in October mm-hmm. from the box stores. You know the yes. kind there, and they've been blooming ever since. And now they're starting to drop slowly. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what I should do with it after. Well. If if it's Is it a ha- finished after they finish blooming? No, or? no. Orchids can live for years and years and years and rebloom. Okay. So the trick, of course, is to give that orchid what it wants, and hopefully it'll be happy, and it will continue to keep you happy by blooming more. Uh-huh. So as the flowers finish and drop off, uh-huh. leave the green stem that the flowers were attached to and just let it be. Uh-huh. The green stem will eventually start to turn brown from the tip and work its way down. And once it's completely brown, right down to the base, then you can use scissors and cut it out. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, just let it be because sometimes more little flower shoots will come off of that flower stem. Right. Watering, of course, is done in such a way that you use room temperature or tepid water. Uh, personally, I don't water mine very often. I let it dry, get fairly dry in between waterings and never, ever let an orchid sit in water. So it's a very limited amount of water when you do water. It's enough to just moisten the medium that it's growing in. Okay, the instructions when I got it mm-hmm. was to give it feed it three ice cubes once a week. Right. Because that is a way to, that limits the water, and it, when the ice melts, it slowly percolates through the medium. And right. that that's a good thing. There's a tendency when we just water with liquid water, it all runs right through into the bowl below, and then we, you know, think it's all excess and pour it out. Right. And it just takes forever to ever get absorbed back in. That's the, the theory on the ice cubes. It's a lovely way to slowly provide moisture. The one sort of scary thing about ice cubes is that it's kind of cold on the little plant. Yeah. And, you know, think not. about it, you know, have a shower once a day, but it must be in ice cubes. You know, like, oh, oh I don't think so. So <laughs> that's the thing. It's just, it's a little bit cold. So, but you can do that. Many people have very good success doing, as the instructions said for you, just the ice cubes once a week. Bright spot, doesn't have to be in direct sunlight, but a bright window is very important. Mist the plant daily or more than once daily if you are would like to and are home and able to do that. 
hum- any way you can raise the humidity is very important around orchids. They love a fairly humid location. Oh. Keep it away from drafts, no hot drafts, no cold drafts, you know, none of those vents blowing on it, that sort of thing. Right. And do fertilize, but once a month, get yourself some special orchid fertilizer and follow the instructions and do use that about okay. once a month instead of the ice cubes. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very very much. much. Good luck with that. Okay, Claire. Thank you. And uh, we're at, what, uh, 9.32 here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, the happy Troika, Charlie, Frank, and Dan, Dan. taking care of the uh, Saturday morning for you. Philomena, am I pronouncing that correctly? Philomena. Or is it Mina? I'm not sure. Hello, Philomena. Hi. Hi. Yeah, you are pronouncing it correctly. Well, there you go. Good. Uh, Thank you very much for taking my call, and I really enjoy both. Both of you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Charlie and Frank. Thanks. And Happy New Year. Thank you very much. And the same to you. My question is about the jasmine plant. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of them and I lost all of them because I don't know what do I do. Mm -hmm. They bloom as soon as uh, October, November comes in. Mm -hmm. And then I let them be. And then by February, I see all the leaves falling down and they're dead. Oh, my goodness. Well, and these are jasmine that you're buying, say, at the grocery store in, like you say, mid-fall, late-fall. No, this plant, I had it in uh, May. Okay. And it it was blooming at the time I bought it, Uh and then it... The flowers fell off. Then again, I had a huge bloom in the month of October, November, and it continued till first week of December. And then the flowers fell off. And now what do I do? Do I cut the plant down? Hmm. Well, it's interesting that it's even dropping all its leaves the way it is. Uh, Okay, now this has got white flowers and it's very fragrant. Yes. And it's growing as a vine. So it's got... No, I just got it like a bush and it's not... uh, I see now the uh, stems coming out like wine. Uh Uh-huh. Otherwise, it was just like a plain bush. Okay, because all, like real jasmines, do grow as climbers. Mm -hmm. So they often are trained onto a hoop or trained onto some kind of a small little trellis, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, The basic rules for keeping jasmine happy Mm -hmm. is you want to keep the plant cool in the winter. Mm -hmm. It could be that it dropped its leaves because it's too warm where it is. Okay. So it likes to be kept cool in the winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, it can go outside in the summer. It always likes plenty of light. So if it's outside, of course, in a bright spot, but inside, preferably a southern window, mm-hmm. and never let it dry out. Okay. The soil must be always moist. Do I need to fertilize it? Not now, okay. particularly if it's dropped all its leaves. We okay. do all our fertilizing when the plants are actively growing. Do I need to prune it? Yeah. Well, right now it's just a bunch of naked stems, is it? Uh, there are some leaves. Uh, okay, and are they all at the tips? Uh, they are at the tip. So if you want... The ones at the bottom, they're really big. Mm-hmm. Those are not yet falling, but the ones on the top are drying out and falling. Oh, okay. Well, look closely. That's unusual. Usually, the tips is where we keep the leaves, and it's the older leaves down at the base that drop. That's what I thought. So look very closely at those okay. leaves on the tip. Look underneath on the backs of the leaves. Okay. There could be, I mean, this is the time of year where we start to see spider mites. Mm-hmm. We start to see white fly. We start to see a whole bunch of little pests that take advantage of our hot, dry houses. Okay. Tropical plants do not like hot and dry, but many insects do. Okay. So that's the trick. <clears throat> mist, mist, mist. Okay. Humidity, humidity, humidity. On the plant. <laughs> On the plant. Okay, that's right. a good idea. And, and do cut it back. I mean, uh, for sure, if it's, you know, kind of scraggly looking, but there's some good green growth at the base, absolutely yeah. don't hesitate to cut it back. Okay. Uh, if not now, then at least within the next month. 
Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you, Philomena. Thanks. Nice to have you on the Carl. show. Uh, 9.35 as we say hi to Gertrude in Welland. Good morning, Gertrude. Good morning. Morning. Hi. How's everybody there? Just terrific. That's good. Um, I have a, uh, well, I've got six pots with amaryllis in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one pot uh, I was noticing last night, I've had, uh, I've had most of them for three or four years now, and they bloom every year. Mm. But this one... Uh, it's a pure white one, and it likes to bloom in the summertime as well as once in the wintertime. Hmm. And uh, I noticed that there's, um, th- I've seen three different kinds of bugs in the dirt. Hmm. Uh, those, they're little ones that usually are around wet or water, and they'll curl up in a circle when you touch them. Mm-hmm. And uh, some little, uh, they can stretch out to about a quarter of an inch, a uh, little worm-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Very tiny, and then of course, well, I shouldn't say of course, but in the dirt you can see all these teeny little things running around. <laughs> and if you, you get pick... a real menagerie going, <laughs> there, <laughs> it's a <Wow>. zoo. <laughs> so but it's only the one pot. Like I've got six pots yeah, with them in, yeah. and uh, it's only that one. Okay, and this is like you said, you've had it for three or four years. Yeah, it does go outside in the summer. Yes, and it's in the same soil, obviously, for the last three or well, four years. Well, um, I cleared the top. Uh, maybe inch or more mm-hmm. off and put fresh soil on the top of each one. Okay. Now, if you banged the side of the pot where you've seen all this action, would little w- what look like fruit flies fly up out of the pot? I didn't notice that last night. Okay. Because sometimes when you see all that running around action, those are little tiny, they look like fruit flies, they have clear wings uh, that will fly if they're disturbed. And that's uh, one of the things, ways that we can sort of uh, identify what the insect is. Per- okay. What it probably is, is something called fungus gnats. So G-N-A-T is a gnat, and they eat fungus. So you're seeing the little wormy things squirming around. Those are the larval form of what becomes the adult is the the gnat or the fly. Uh, They eat fungus. That's what they do. And we do tend to have fungus in all natural soils, but if the soil is kept particularly on the moist side, there's more fungus, and then there's more fungus gnats. The trick is to lower your, your watering, less water, less fungus, fewer bugs, and one of my all-time favorite uh, insect control measures is something made by the Safers people. Safers make Safer soap. They also make something called Sticky Sticks. So Sticky and then S-T-I-X. Follow the instructions, little yellow. It's like flypaper. And the little insects will get stuck onto that gluey paper and die and be unable to lay eggs. And you'll eliminate the population that way. Oh, okay. Okay, it's not uh, instant, but it does work. I see. Okay, sticky sticks. Yep. Yeah. Sticky sticks and uh, less water. And less water. Um, and this pot, like, a, is uh, fairly big, mm-hmm. but it's been in that pot. And I just wondered if I should. And and it has a a baby bulb growing on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And it's got lots of leaves on it, but that main bulb doesn't have anything coming yet. Oh. And uh, I didn't know if I should put it in maybe a smaller pot. <laughs> What I would do, you could, and that, again, that would help you. uh, If you were going to do that, I would get rid of virtually all the soil that's in there. Throw that all out in the garden, get some fresh, clean, sterilized potting soil. 
again, it's a bit early to do this because it's still January. It'd be nice to wait a month or so before you do this. Uh, and you're right, absolutely. At that time, sharp knife, sever the daughter bulb away from the mother bulb and have two different pots and plants. But you're absolutely right. You want the the plant the the bulb and the pot are almost the same size. Right? It's just oh. slightly bigger. You never have a ton of soil around an amaryllis. You want it to sit. In, it likes to be really tight. There's oh, okay. something going on there. Not sure what it is, but it likes to be in a small pot, and that seems to create bigger and better flowers. Oh, because this pot is about 10 inches across. Right, yeah, so you need something so quite a bit smaller. Yeah. I see. You'll and, find- and how, how do I break that little one? Like, it's, it's about, uh, oh, I would think uh, an inch and... Bigger than an inch and a half. Yep, sharp knife. And it's knife. got all these nice green leaves coming up. So that's why I brought it out of the dark. Yep. But the main bulb doesn't... Is still dormant. Yeah. So if you if you laid out some newspaper, tipped the whole pot onto its side, and pulled the bulb the bulbs out, yeah. the main mother bulb could... You'd feel it. If it's good and firm and solid, it you know, it's is. got a lot of life in it, then it's going to come. It's just still dormant. Yes. Sharp, like a uh, steak knife. Uh-huh. Just slice between the two bulbs. Oh. And there's your daughter bulb, which you said is already, you know, growing like stink. And meanwhile, mother bulb, both of them repotted into pots just slightly bigger than the current bulbs I are see. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. All righty. That sounds good, then. Good. All right, then. Good Thank luck you with very that. much, and I enjoy your show every week. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Gertrude. Thank you. And uh, at this point in time, uh, Frankie is feeling so good because of Sierra's Hill. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do... <laughs> you ever see guys do fast walking? You ever see the fast I walking? I have, yes. You know, and the, the little mall bum walkers. Goes, <laughs> so I'm walking around the street right now. I'm, I'm not walk. watching I'm you. I will, I'll start giggling, and then, yeah. you know, we're in trouble. Oh, why is he doing this? You know, he's got feeling so good. He's been taking his Sierra Sill. Remember last week he had forgotten to take his Sierra Sill. Frankie, you know, he kickboxes. I mean, he's just always active. And the, re- the way he is able to maintain such high levels of activity, pain-free, I might point, is taking his Sierra Sill. There you are. Perfectly natural mineral supplement. Just keeps those joints, keeps them oiled. Uh, no creaking, no pain, no cracking and any of that. Both of us find it works very, very well for us. You can get Sierra Sill at many of your local health food stores. Uh, Foods for Life on Bloor Street, Bloor Street West, actually, in the Bloor West Village, carries Sierra Sill. You can call them at 1-877-JOINT-14, or you can check them on the web, sierrasill.ca. And there you are, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, with Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, and Dan, uh, our producer. And, you know, isn't it funny how certain names conjure up a a picture or an image in your mind? Mm -hmm. The next uh, gentleman and the caller uh, has a wonderful name, and I just picture this gentleman as being a very well-read erudite person. (laughs) Just based on his name alone, Thornton. I love it. Thornton Wilder, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, hello, Thornton from Smithville. How are you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good. Morning. Okie dokie. Uh, enjoy your show. Our Thank question you. is on uh, trimming maple trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some storm damage on uh, established trees, mm-hmm. and it's high up, but 
I got to get up there and cut it down. How close to the main stock do I go, and what time of the year is okay. a good time so you don't get sap uh, flow? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, honestly, maple trees will always have sap flow. Like, there's no time when you won't get sap flowing on a maple. The trick, though, is, well, two reasons why we try to avoid sap flow. One is it's unsightly, right? It's just kind of messy, and bugs get attracted to it. Number two, a plant could theoretically die by bleeding to death, by, you know, just sap mm-hmm. pouring out. So we, we always try and avoid doing any trimming of our maples in the early spring, because that's when the sap is really flowing, uh, and it's going to be just really messy. Certainly now, when it's not today because it's way too wet, but theoretically now in January when plants are dormant, as long as they're not frozen solid, they can be trimmed. And, of course, we never trim on a wet day. We always do our trimming on dry days. I wouldn't recommend that you do this yourself. I personally would go to the International Society of Arboriculture, or ISA.org, and I would find a certified arborist to do a proper job. Uh, The way we trim... Any plant is very important to its longevity as a healthy plant and, you know, adding a a huge investment to our properties as well, particularly when they're old, mature trees. We want them to be well-formed. We want them to be healthy, um, you know, look good and, and, you know, Mm. provide shade and all, you know, host the wildlife. So all that's important. So I would not ever recommend going up yourself into the tree. But certainly, like I said, you, I had a, a maple on my property trimmed just before Christmas. And uh, even with the mild weather, a little bit of dripping from those wounds, but not a ton. Uh, but a little bit of dripping because that's what maples do. They, they are full of liquid and they do, they do drip. But never, never, never trim a, a maple in the early spring, you know, that sort of March-April time frame. Okay. And the, addressing the issue of uh, how close to the main stock and at what angle? Always on an angle that will shed the water, so we never have flat cuts uh, parallel to the ground. So always on a slight 45, really, from the ground. Uh, That way rain, et cetera, will not sit and cause rot within that cut uh, stem. And we try and avoid pruning stubs, you know what I mean? Like we try to avoid having any sort of chunks of, of branch sticking off of a main stem because that will ultimately die and just shrivel back and, and again, potentially cause rot. So proper pruning usually takes whatever broken branch right back to a main stem just beyond what we call the branch collar. So just beyond that sort of thick bit, <clears throat> we make a nice clean cut and the plant will heal over at that point. With the amount of sap flows that is inherent to the maple tree, mm-hmm. is there going to be anything that I can put on at this particular time of the year in the way of uh, pruning paint? No, no, never use pruning paint. There was, at a, one time they thought pruning paint was going to um, uh, help seal the wound and heal the wound and protect the plant. It's the exact opposite. The plant, just like when we cut ourselves and we pr- create a scab and then we, you know, a dry scab slowly but surely, new skin grows and the scab falls off, plants are very similar. The last thing you want to do is put that pruning paint on because you slow down the plant's ability to do its own healing. One last subject, same, uh, same situation, maple tree. When they have a tendency to split, I put on years ago a beeswax to, to uh, I guess, stop the air from getting in. Mm-hmm. It did heal. Mm-hmm. However, am I doing the wrong thing for future consideration? No, because when a plant, well, no, when we have when a plant cracks or it's got a very weak 
branching uh, or some kind of damage happens, we will sometimes use wax, any like you said, beeswax, any kind of just plain paraffin wax to fill the space. What that does is it stops insects from going in and making a home, so that's a good thing. The wax will never hurt the plant. And just with the normal um, weather conditions, the wax will often slowly but surely melt away anyway. And while that wax is disappearing, the plant is healing. See, the wax doesn't interfere with the plant's healing the way that asphalt-based pruning paint does. Okay. So you're doing the right thing. You're all good. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Thornton. Thanks for your call. Thanks for calling. 949, our time. And hey, uh, my Before you have, oh, sorry. I'm just going to plug the phone numbers okay. because we do have a couple of free lines right mm-hmm. now. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, toll free for the Garden Show, one 866 740 Four seven forty AM seven forty Zoomer Radio, and uh, you wanted to mention something, Charlie. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say um, you had that visual of Thornton yeah, being so erudite. Yeah. I was thinking Gilligan's Island. <laughs> oh, what, yes. was, what was his Thornton, name? Yeah, it was Thornton, Thornton Howell the Third. Howard, yeah, that's was right. It? Okay, yeah, I, uh, Lovey was his wife. Yes, yeah, Lovey, Lovey. So, uh, quick uh, email. Okay, yep. just before we go to uh, a caller. Uh, this is not a question. This is just some information. So, And it might be of interest to some of the, our listeners. Hi, Charlie. Many, many years ago, I consulted you. Uh, I like that. Many, many years ago. Do I feel old? I consulted <laughs> you about a red trumpet vine that wasn't flowering. I moved it to a winterized barrel planter, but still no luck, and it finally died. I, I obviously didn't give very good consulting information there. But there must have been a piece of root where it had originally been planted, and now it's thriving everywhere. It climbs, this is kind of like wisteria, it climbs a nearby flowering crabapple tree and decks it out with trumpets in the summer, causing many people to take a double look, and it sends up many new plants. The dry summer did not bother it at all, which is interesting for people who are struggling with, you know, drought uh, conditions in the garden and looking for plants that will thrive. She says, uh, and this is from Marilyn, she says, I am in the process of cutting back on the many garden plants I have, so we'll pass these new plants on. Uh, and she enjoys the show. Happy New Year. So thanks, Marilyn. That's good to good to hear that, you know, you are you did finally get so find some success eventually <laughs> with the out. trumpet vine. Okay. And from Brampton, it's Joanne on the line. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have two orchids and I've had them for a long time they haven't bloomed for a long time but they're the one has got eight uh, leaves on it now it started with about two and it's okay the leaves are firm and that's fine the other little one had three leaves with a new one growing Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden yesterday when I looked at it the leaves were had gone really soft like soft and wrinkly yep and they it, they just fell off the mm-hmm. little stem or base or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and where they came up, it came apart. It was black, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what. I don't want the same thing to happen to this other one. Uh, it sound, I wonder what caused that. It sounds like overwatering. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been ignoring them though for well, I don't know how. When I last watered them, I've just kind of been ignoring them. But uh, you think it's overwatering? Well, smell it. When when leaves will collapse suddenly and fall and you see black, black is rot. So the rot came from somewhere and typically it will come from t- water 
you know, too much water for too long. Are the little orchids planted in orchid bark or yes, something they else? Are. Yeah, so sometimes, and you're right, you know, we feel like we're ignoring them and we haven't watered them in, you know, a couple of weeks, but sometimes, the, due to whatever conditions, there is a fair amount of moisture still being held within that media. Oh. So just, it, it, that's what it sounds like to me. So smell it, and that will tell you that, you know, if it's got that kind of swampy, uh, rotten smell, okay. that will be your giveaway that there's just, and you can feel it as well. You'll just feel it's, if it's soft they and mushy. Actually, they feel pretty dry, Charlie. Like, mm. And every once in a while, I give them a bit of orchid mix in mm-hmm. the water. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but I'm just, I don't know why I can lose this other one. I no. was just wondering. But when I do water them, mm-hmm. the water runs right through. Yeah. Because it's not like soil, right? It's just bark. Yeah. So and it then runs. I let it sit there for a while. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. You know, half an hour kind of sit there. Oh. Don't let it sit any longer than that. And then dump out whatever's in there. Oh, now, do you think I should keep this and, and see what happens, or should I just get rid of it? Uh, you're likely to, like I said, give it a smell. If it smells healthy, keep it. If it smells swampy, get rid of it. Oh. One time I, it was recommended to me by an orchid grower that the best way, I mean, there's so many ways to water orchids, but the way this grower recommended orchids be watered was that you immer- like fill up a, a sink with water or have a container, bowl of water. Mm-hmm. Actually immerse the entire pot, when it's watering day, immerse the entire pot under the water, hold it under the water, all the air bubbles are going to be, you know, floating to the surface. Mm -hmm. Just hold it till all the air bubbles stop coming up, might take a couple of minutes, then take the plant out of the sink of water, let it drain into a sink or you know, wherever so that it's not going to sit in water and then put it back out where you had it. And only do that about every, yeah, two weeks or so. Now, keep in mind that all our plants use less water in the winter than they do in the summer. Mm-hmm. So whatever sort of techniques and, and timing we're using in the summer, we have to modify that for the winter just because all the growth slows down as the light levels drop. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I always water it with uh, water that's been sitting mm-hmm. in, in a bottle. Like, yeah. I never water it with tap water. Right. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, well, you don't want straight out of the tap water no. ever. Yeah. but when you put it in the sink... In water, that would be straight water, right? Yeah, it would if it was something you had just filled up, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a perfect world, you'd always have a pot, a big pot of water that's oh. just sitting there, and it's, <laughs> yeah, well. you know, adding humidity to your, your home, and then every now and then you dump your orchids into it, oh, I <laughs> guess. Yeah, okay, well... I just don't want to lose this other one because no. it's it's no it's not blooming mm-hmm. but it has eight leaves on it now and it started with two and it sounds lovely well, yeah. yeah but they're all leaning towards the window the one way so now you do turn the plant every now and then well I try to but it's <laughs> where it is it's kind of hard because the leaves are very large yeah and they bang into you know. Yeah, and you don't want the leaves touching the glass of the oh, window. Oh, no. Right. No, they don't, but, but they touch the, the blinds, you know. All right. So well, I have, it pretty much sits the same way all the time, and I guess that's the problem. It'll it's always grow to the one to side. The light, you know? Yeah. Will it ever bloom again? I mean, it, I, it hasn't bloomed now for, oh, at least a year. Oh, it will. It oh. will. It sounds, I mean, if it's growing leaves and it sounds happy and healthy, it will bloom eventually. So okay. it, it just keep sending good thoughts to it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks. Talk to your plants. That's right. Don't care what the neighbors say. Uh, Nancy. You talk to your bananas. Well, yeah. yeah, I I was swearing at it this morning. You were driving down the road and people were looking at you strange. I had a few words to God (laughs) on the way in. There you go. (laughs) Lousy banana. Uh, (laughs) Nancy in Hamilton anxious to talk to you. Charlie, good morning, Nancy. Good morning, uh, Charlie. Morning. Um, 
I, I got a plant at Christmas time, and I've never seen one like it. It's in a in a, about a four foot uh, or four inches, no, I guess four feet uh, plant. The glass vase, and it's the card card on it calls it lovable hearts. It's an anthurium. Oh yeah, it's lovely. And uh, you know, it's got about four inches, uh, maybe four four or five inches of like stones, pink stones in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a maybe two or three inches of uh, dark. It just looks. I just looks dark. That's all I can. Yeah, it's see. probably some kind of soil. Yeah, yeah. Good, but it's probably soil. Mm-hmm. And then all then they get all these roots in, you know. Yep. And all the roots you can see all the white roots in. Uh huh. So I I'm wondering whether it said like in it, something to do with the soil, and you you have to fertilize it about maybe every six six waterings. Well, when you water it, I mean, you don't want water it. I haven't watered it anymore in a couple of times since Christmas. And, uh, you know, it's. I just wonder, it, should I leave it in that in that uh, vase like that, or, or should I put it in a pot? Well, the nice thing about that vase and the design, as you describe it to us so well, is that you can see, when you water in the top, the water will percolate down through the roots, and mm-hmm. then through that dark mass of soil down to the stones below. And yeah, well, you, that's what it does. That's right, yeah. and you sh- and that's kind of a cool thing because anthurium likes to be moist at all times. Yeah. However, you never want to have so much water in that vase that all those stones are underwater, because if the stones are all underwater, then you know that it's going to be a soggy mess inside that oh. dark soil. Well, that's one mistake. My, my home care, she watered it and. It's uh, quite a bit of water in it. Right. So don't water it again until you can see that the water level has dropped down so that it's below the top of the stones. Oh, that's good. That's that's one thing I want to know. Yeah. And then from that point forward, it's just a matter of, as we've said in the past, have some room temperature water available just to be able to pour in as required. You Mm -hmm. might water every five days. You might water every two weeks. It kind of depends how much light the plant is in and what kind of temperature the room is. Well, I have it right in front of the living room window when that face east. Okay, so that's good, and it would like that kind of a spot. And they and say it doesn't, that you're not supposed to give it much, too much sunlight. Like that's that. right, and particularly in the summer. The leaves yeah. will get all brown brown spots if it's in direct sunlight. It'll The little leaves will burn. So oh. an eastern window is perfect, and just, as I say, just keep an eye on it, and whatever, whether, whether it's watering once a week or once every two weeks is just dependent on how vigorously it's growing and the temperatures it's in, and just an all-purpose flowering plant fertilizer is all you need every month or so just to keep it flowering and it's a lovely plant shiny lovely. and unusual and it sounds like a very beautiful presentation the way it was given well, it's got a lot of leaves on it. it's got more leaves on it than it looked than it had at christmas time it looks as if it has anyway well then you're obviously taking yeah. good care of it doing yeah. a good job there okay you that's great is, is, would the fertilizer be like uh, would it be like miracle grow would that be that okay? would be perfect and just put it in the water and then... and uh, Follow the instructions, water. yeah, mix as per instructions, and then just water. Again, you're, you're not going to be pouring a lot of water into this plant at any one time, but that's okay. You can hold on to the fertilizer and use it again a month, a month later. 
Oh, okay, then thanks very much. You're Thank very you, welcome. Nancy, for joining the show. And that, that's the final call we can kind of squeeze in. We're running up close to Dave's we corner sure garage. We sure are. We've got to go. we got to go. Yeah, we've got to get moving here. Right. Um, and of You're course, back in a couple hours. I am at noon for the diner right. and a little bit beyond that as well. And, of course, uh, we, uh, we'll have the National Health Show or the Natural Health Show on at 11 o'clock. All sorts of fun and frivolity. All right. Thank you very much for all your help. Frank, you are the best sous chef. Thanks, Dan. You're the best producer. And to all our great callers, see you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.